It is January 11th, 2023, and welcome to episode 168 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. So what are we talking about today? On Monday, China's new foreign minister began his term with a week-long trip to five African countries across the African continent. In Egypt, the Chinese foreign minister also met with the Secretary General of the Arab League. The new foreign minister is following in the footsteps of his predecessors, who have for more than three decades started each year with a trip to Africa. So why why is this big news? Those in the Beltway and those who read the headlines hear a lot about how the U.S. is battling China for influence in Africa, among many other regions across the globe. Uh, but African leaders often feel like they've been given short shrift by leading economies, in particular the U.S., but to many, it still remains crucial due to its rapidly growing population, significant natural resources, and a sizable voting bloc in the United Nations. In fact, in December, Pre- President Biden hosted the three-day U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit in Washington, D.C., which saw the heads of states from 49 African nations and the African Union invited to partake. This was the second such summit since President Obama hosted the first one in 2014. Ahead of the summit, the White House announced Biden's support for the African Union, becoming a permanent member of the G20 nations. At the summit, there was numerous announcements and collaborative initiatives that were announced. Um, so the United States, I think most people would say, have, have been cl- slow to establish a clear and proactive policy um, for the African continent. Often DCers, and I think the average you know, American voter would see the continent more as kind of a problem to tackle and how do we solve it, what kind of aid do we need to send, rather than as a partner for shaping you know, our U.S. policy. Um, so let's turn to you. Uh, you know, do you think the Chinese see the continent differently than we do? And you know, have they say, seen the opportunity way before we did? Well, I think China is doing some things that are pretty smart. These one-on-one meetings uh, are a better way to conduct diplomacy instead of doing what President Biden did, which was invite every single African head of state for one giant meeting that lasts for three days and treat them as a group, which is a mistake. Uh, treating African countries individually. Ghana is not Gabon. South Africa is not Ethiopia. There are huge differentiations on the continent. And it's and it's important to recognize that China does a good job of doing that. China also does a good job of selling cheap goods to the continent. And that's just a comparative advantage on the economic side that China's going to have over us in all likelihood for some time. So we need to recognize that we should be focused more on develop on uh, delivering high end economic opportunities to Africa, expanding electrical grids, expanding uh, industrial farming. Some of these things are controversial in our political system. We need to look past that and see what's actually best for African nations and what they're going to need to do as they develop rapidly, which is what they are doing now. And in 50 years, where is going to be the most robust and economically active continent on the face of the earth in all likelihood. We should get ahead of that. We should have a more sophisticated, advanced adult approach to the African continent. I totally agree with you, Jones. We should see it as an opportunity. We're not there to fix it. We're there to be a partner and to provide opportunities for Africa and to you and to see African countries as an opportunity for the United States interests economically primarily but also on the humanitarian and the and uh, the security side as well you know what's really interesting about this whole problem and this challenge that we have with the way the Chinese are treating Africa and the way that we're treating Africa is we think you're, you're right Jessica is we think about Africa as a place to send aid the Chinese have been very smart they've been providing a huge amount of loans between uh, 2009 2019 it's estimated they provided over 1100 public sector loans to the uh, to the to various African nations um, 153 billion dollars but in, in the last 20 or so years. That's a lot of money. That's a declining number. But in one year alone, right around 2017, the Chinese provided nearly $30 billion in loans, 
relative to ten billion dollars, the next next highest player in on the continent um, in terms of in terms of aid. I mean, it's it's just it's astounding the amount of money they're providing. Uh, and now it's a declining number. That being said, what they're doing with this is they're backing those loans with resources where the where the where the nations uh, commit to providing resources to Chinese. If the loans are defaulted on, the Chinese have a lot of access. It's a it's it's almost extortive, right? In in the in the approach they're taking, and yet the African leaders seem to uh, seem to appreciate the Chinese commercial approach rather than the U.S. aid based approach. They'd like to have both, I think. And then it, to be clear, the Chinese have provided a significant amount of, of aid as well, uh, including building parliament buildings and the like across the continent. But it's a real problem, and it outstrips the amount that we're putting in. Less. So I think the China uh, Belt and Road policy in Africa is a huge mistake, not just for African countries, but for China. China is essentially making the same mistakes we made 50 or 60 years ago in our aid programs. We were back then we were building big infrastructure projects that weren't sustainable. We were paying off. Uh, leadership in African countries to keep them on our side, vice the Soviet Union side of the Cold War. Some of that may have been necessary in a real Machiavellian sense, but it's not going to lead to long-term productive relationship between the United States and that country. So the reason China is actually pulling back on Belt and Road Initiative, because it doesn't really work. Uh, it doesn't work for China. It's not going to work for the, for the host countries. We, we need to have a sensible policy. I think some of our investments are very good. We do need to do a better job on promoting trade on some of these higher level things. We should drop a lot of our kind of climate ideological problems with, uh, natural resource development in Africa. Uh, Africans need access to regular electricity. They need power grids. They need to be able to develop natural gas and oil. Maybe coal is a, is a, is too far, but they need to be able to develop power structures that are going to allow their economies to develop in a real way. So we, we need to, we have a lot of work to do on Africa policy. It's good that the president is at least engaged and had this meeting. If he can now pivot to let's do some one-on-one -on -one meetings in important African countries, let's start to have a more mature relationship on the economic side. Maybe we can make some progress. Yeah. And let's, uh, a couple of things you said, um, for, you know, you, uh, China's Belt and Road not working out. You know, as I was reading, I think they've already forgiven the debt of 17 African nations in the last few years because they can't be paid back. So even on an economic front, it's not working out for them. Um, and so I want to also point out that Africa's uh, leader summit, the U.S. pledged over 55 billion with a focus more on trade than aid. Right. I think that was like their phraseology for it. And so they're trying to find areas of cooperation. And, you know, you were talking about, you know, whether it's jobs, you know, especially urban jobs, training, um, education. You know, they also point out your African leaders also interested maybe on the counter side on. U.S.-Africa climate cooperation, right? Like these new areas of opportunity or whether it's space cooperation, right? Their recent pledge to the Artemis Accords, right? So there's maybe new opportunities that we can get ahead of China on, Jamil Shaking. Yeah, I, I'm not sure this climate cooperation. I think is right about this climate thing. I think, I think this climate, Africa needs development, not, not good climate policy. China's going to do it anyways. The Chinese are going to get in on this. It's crazy for us to impose our climate theory on Africa at a time when they need development, not 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 good environmental policy. I was thinking climate mitigation, but okay. And as usual, Jamil gets the last word. With that, that's a wrap. Thanks to Brooke Agacon from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Oh, and Gabriel Otis. Uh, join us again on Friday for another great episode of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart, fast on the national security debates shaking up America. And if you like what you heard, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you guys get your podcasts.